Hello there, I'm Gemma Hunt, and thanks for listening to this podcast from the Church of England. This podcast has been created to inspire and encourage you to take a little time to reflect on generosity. Generosity is at the heart of our faith, and the generosity we show is testament to our lived out faith and our generous God. Perhaps you found this series at harvest time, when many of us come together to share generosity in our churches, Christian communities and beyond. But wherever and whenever this finds you, the message is the same. You can live generously right now. In this series, I'm sharing inspiring stories from across our faith and a few ideas on how you can take the spirit of them forward in your own communities. So grab yourself a tea or take this podcast out for a walk and give yourself a few minutes reflection to hear these stories from churches across the country. We have another story from St Paul's Church at Howell Hill this time. You heard how the church shared its generosity to build schools and feed children in Malawi earlier in the series. But today, I want to go a little deeper into this particular church's history of giving. This legacy of generosity is allowing it to run an innovative partnership with another nearby church to share unique skills and better serve an even bigger community. First, Richard Walker explained how the church itself was born in the 1960s and told me about the generosity that helped it go from strength to strength through the decades. I'm nearly 80. When I was away at university studying law, I rather unexpectedly came to faith uh, in Jesus Christ. I became aware that indeed my vicar at university said to me, you've really got to find yourself a church and somewhere where you can be part of when you're back at home. And I heard about this group of people who were meeting in a house, part of the Church of England. And this was uh, the beginnings of the church that I've been and my wife and I have been members of all our adult lives. Back in the 1930s, would you believe, an Anglican clergyman saw that a group of houses were being built, a big group of houses were being built. This man himself, he and his wife, used some of their own money to buy a corner of the field uh, as a church. And then at the beginning of the 1960s, a man was appointed. Somebody bought a house for him and his family to live in. And my first experience of going to church there was walking up the front path of of an ordinary four-bedroom house to find that uh, in the living room, which was knocked through into one big room, there was a whole group of people assembling for morning prayer. It's the place where I met my wife-to-be, where uh, we brought up our children and they were baptised and married in, in, in the church because, of course, what happened was that they moved, you know, we had to move on fairly swiftly from meeting in a house to then meeting in a sort of wooden hut at one corner of the site. Next stop, they were building the proper build, church building, a hall and a church. Giving was a serious aspect of being a Christian. We raised £25,000 in order to build the church building, which was wooden structure, and a a brick-built church hall attached with kitchens and so on, all for £25,000. And they simply raised it by giving. I mean, we didn't go in for fundraising activities in the ordinary sense of the word. 
there was no question of going out to the wider world for sponsorship. If the money was going to be raised, we, the church, were going to have to raise it. The money came. And having done that, they then, uh, the next venture was to build a vicarage in one corner of this great big site. I mean, it was wonderful that uh, the original donor of the field chose to buy such a big piece of land because eventually we got the vicarage on one corner, we got more halls, which we built, um, so that by the uh, end of the 1960s, we'd got uh, quite a viable um, group of buildings uh, in which to, to, to operate the church. We then reached a point in the early 1980s where we came to realise that the building we had, and on which we'd spent quite a bit of money at an earlier stage, was no longer meeting the needs. The culmination was a giving day on a Sunday, a sort of pledge day, and by Thursday we had £850,000, which was beyond belief. And I spent most of it with with tears pouring down my face, because I just couldn't believe what had happened and to say all of this came from a group of people. So that seemed to us to be a rather powerful green light. The old church was pulled down, very sadly. We built a new one to take about 550 people. We now needed to learn to continue to give, not just for ourselves, but outside. And we tried to reach a commitment to be giving away at least 25% of what we raised in the church outside for outside needs overseas needs relief programs parishes that were less financially fortunate than we were having to learn to give in order to put the building up led on to learning to give as part of our christian involvement in society and of course not just to give our money uh, but to give time and talents and abilities and Uh, our love and concern we trust to to the community that we were placed in. Generosity begins with God. Nothing belongs to us. It all comes from God in the first place. We need to be giving back to him uh, at least a proportion uh, of what he's given to us. It's become so inculcated into my wife and myself, and I believe lots of others too in our our church community, that it's just natural part of, of life and of giving. With such a legacy of giving and generosity throughout its life, the Church at St Paul's continues to evolve for new generations and invest in the Church of Tomorrow. Hannah Duncan joined the Church because of its excellent youth activities. Now she's the one running them. I'm a member of St Paul's Church, Hal Hill. I've been going there almost 10 years now and I started going when I went to university. There was a good group of young adults there, which is why I joined initially. And since then, I've enjoyed being involved in lots of different areas from the kids team to welcome and refreshments. I helped lead the young adults ministry group for a while, which was really good fun. And more recently, I've started on the youth team which has been such a rewarding experience and something that, yeah, I hope it's making a difference to the lives of the young people, but it's certainly been a real blessing to me at the same time. On Sundays, we have a youth service with a talk and discussion, worship time, sometimes socialise. Then there's a similar thing on a weekday evening, which is the life group, and that's more of an in-depth Bible study. 
But yeah, there are lots of different things going on outside of that as well. Our youth pastor is really great at arranging social activities and especially in lockdown, that's been so key. For example, she's been arranging these online creative sessions where young people could just come and do their own creative worship, whether that's art, Bible journaling, playing an instrument, whatever that looks like. And then there have been other socials as well. So we've had games nights, just casual hangouts where they could chat. We've played a lot of online escape rooms. Um, And now it's obviously really nice. We can be back in person a lot more. So we've been outside in gardens, having food and catching up. And yeah, there's always a lot going on to get involved with. But Hannah also works full time and it takes a team of people to make sure young group members always have that support and friendship available. Being on the youth team is a big commitment with our time and and spiritually as well. It does really require you to be committed and to invest. We've started something that is called Youth Spheres and it means that we look out for a certain group of young people within the group. We message them during the week and we pray for them. So why does the youth community form such an impactful part of the church's work? I just think building relationships is so important in our faith journeys. And so the reason we do this is to, that we have these spheres to show the young people that we're there for them and to do what we can to encourage them in their walk with Jesus. I feel like the older teenage and young adult years are really crucial in a journey in faith. It's a time when so many can slip away from faith. Being a young adult or teenager, I think you can be very aware of self-image and especially in lockdown a lot of young people have felt quite anxious there are so many voices out there telling young people what they should think and who they should be social media obviously is a big part of that and and peer pressure at school so I feel like it's just a real privilege to be able to remind young people about who Jesus says they are and remind them of their identity in him I feel like it's a really valuable way to spend my time With its fantastic youth offering, St Paul sought to reach beyond the immediate parish so that even more people could benefit from this fellowship, friendship and fun. Nearby, St Barnabas has its own unique strengths and by putting heads together, they came up with an idea. We're looking to become a united parish with another church in the area, which essentially means we're going to be one church in two locations. So we'll be thinking about how we can do things a bit differently, I suppose. So with the youth work, we'll be thinking about how we can reach children and young people in that area. And it's a really great opportunity for us. There are lots of schools there. It's a less well-off area financially. There are lots of families and children there. And we'll be trying to think about how we can best split our time and, and what we do. Is there a way of doing life group there? every other week or a social there once a month so we'll be thinking about ways that we can do that but it's a really an exciting opportunity and we all have different gifts and we'll be able to join together with the the church that we're joining with and learn from that community as well. In considering what the churches could offer to their youth Hannah reflected upon what generosity itself meant. I think I see generosity in three main ways. So those would be our time, our talents and our tithe. I think the financial side is what can come to mind kind of immediately. 
Um, and it obviously is a major part of it. But I think we can also be generous in giving up our time and sharing our gifts and experiences with others and how God has moved in our lives and shaped us. And I guess that's especially key when it comes to youth work. It does require you to invest in people's lives and be there for them. And I really hope I can be a good role model and that they'll see what's important to me by what I'm spending my time doing and that that will then encourage them to think about how they can spend their time and how they can serve others and put Jesus and others first. Time, talent and tithes. What a wonderful way to view the things we can all offer to make the world and the lives of others better regardless of our situation in life. Throughout these stories, we've heard about people investing in their communities with undivided generosity. And St Paul's is proof of how this has an intergenerational nature. St Paul's and St Barnabas are not just investing today, but investing tomorrow. And by teaming up, they have the ability to amplify this generosity, not just across the generations, but across the county too. As Hannah says, by helping people through a difficult or uncertain time of life to feel important and loved, you can also show people how much they have to give themselves and how God's love is for everyone. Hannah's generosity was inspired by others walking with her as a young person. It's inspiring to see how she has sought to give back by doing the same. I wanted to end with some questions to help you consider how you might give thanks for generosity yourself. Think back to someone who inspired you to be a better person when you were growing up. What was it about them you looked up to and who did they make a difference to? How might you carry on this work or evolve it to address problems you see today? If you're a young person, then Think of someone who inspires you now. What is it about them you admire? How can you follow in their footsteps and how can you take inspiration from their actions, words or attitude? When someone invests in you as an individual, especially at a difficult time of life, it can make the most incredible difference to the path you take. Whether it's giving time, a listening ear or just a smile. Can you think of someone who took the time to believe in you? We can practice gratitude for those who have given us the love of Jesus and we can show it by being generous with his love ourselves. I love the way the parishes of St Paul's Howell Hill and St Barnabas have combined their strengths in many areas to reach different people and ensure that everyone is welcome to enjoy fellowship fun and generosity at any age. Thinking about how our unique skills, perhaps ones we even take for granted, can make a difference to others, is a great step to power some generous action. How might you offer time, talent or tithes? You can find more inspiration, ideas and materials to live generously on our website www.churchofengland.org slash generosityweek There you'll find more podcasts about the wonderful generosity in our church communities 
as well as daily reflections and activities to help you live out God's generosity in your own life. I'm Gemma Hunt. Thanks for listening. God bless.